in the heart of a champion there is a fire and the flames are controlled by Welcome to the very first episode of the Code of Man podcast, and we are so glad to have you with us, and uh, thank you for being in the audience, I guess is the right term for that. This is uh, Mike Barnett, otherwise known as Overtrek on the Wilderness Trail, and in studio with me today is Corey Cantrell, otherwise known as... The Easy Target. The Easy Target, and he is working behind the old uh, soundboard and computer screens, going to be uh, producing the show for us, and I'll be over here sort of steering the ship conversationally, and I'll get that going here in just a moment. But I did want to just say thank you for listening to this first effort of ours to produce a podcast show that we hope will be an encouragement. And and just a a little behind-the-scenes unveiling, we uh, just took a moment to pray before we started because the ultimate goal of this podcast is that God would be glorified and that some men will get some encouraging help in, uh, in their lives as men in what God has called us to be. That is the purpose of the code of man. It is to help unlock the code of the, the divine image in the masculine soul. And so today, for our first episode, we're going to be talking about wilderness and the soul and uh, maybe you know directed a lot toward wilderness and the masculine soul, but the importance of that, the history, the purpose of code of man will come out in all this discussion. But I want to begin with a quote that I'd like to read, and a passage of Scripture that will kind of facilitate this discussion and get it going. So let me start with this quotation, or this this passage of Scripture from Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So here we have the shepherd. He's in the green pastures, beside the still waters, on the path of righteousness. His soul is being restored. Now, I've got a quote I want to read from John Muir. John Muir lived in the around the turn of the century. He's known as the father of our national parks, a man of the wilderness, a man of faith. Uh, raised a Scottish Presbyterian, as a matter of fact. Uh, In fact, by the way, was said to have memorized much of the New Testament in his life. That's pretty impressive. But anyway, listen to this quote, and then I'm going to get some thoughts from Corey on this as well. John Muir, he said, Thousands of tired, nerve-shaken, over-civilized people are beginning to find out that going to the mountains is going home that wildness is a necessity. So, Psalm 23, John Muir, what does that make you think about? What are, what are some thoughts that arise in your heart? Now, I think for me, one of the very first things that kind of comes to my attention is as much as the wilderness is wildness, there's also a serenity that's out there. And the statement of the 
tired, crowded, over-civilized. You know, our lives are, are busier now than they've ever been. And so while there's definitely struggles and there's hardships and challenges of being in the wilderness, to be able to dial back, there's, a, there's almost a, a, a strenuous peace, if that's the right term, that comes from getting out into the wild, of getting, getting away and to breathe in the fresh air, to refocus everything about you, and uh, yes, in, endure a little bit of difficulties, but uh, kind of get that, that calm centeredness. Kind of makes me think of uh, you know, what your grandfather always taught you, which is hard work is good for the soul. And sometimes the strenuous effort that kind of when it's all said and done and it's over, you feel better, you feel good, deep down good. You're absolutely right. So if nerve, and this is, you know, John Muir died in 1914. So, you know, it's 106 years past his death. How much more tired, nerve-shaken, and over-civilized has society become today? And men have become today to have lost much of what was manhood in the sense of conquering, in the sense of hardness, in the sense of going out and, well, to use biblical terms, to exercise dominion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you talk about the serenity. I think Psalm 23 is often quoted because of the serenity that it brings to mind. But yet you look at a young boy, a young man, David, who's out here tending sheep in the wild, but he's finding in the wildness the green pastures to lie down in, the still waters to refresh himself with. He's restored in his soul. He's walking paths of righteousness. There's just so much in that psalm. It's a, how they call it, pastoral? Pastoral? So we're talking about the necessity of wildness to the soul. Now, where does that stem from? It stems from the origin of man. And I'm not talking about the wrote the origin of the species. Darwin. Darwin, yeah. not yeah. talking about that guy. I'm talking about... I'm talking about Genesis here, the Genesis of man. And, you know, talking about man specifically, not mankind here. I want to talk about man specifically. We're looking at wilderness and the masculine soul here. Well, wilderness is a return to our origin. When a man can get out of civilized society, can get out of the city life, get out of the streets and the lights and the screen time and all of that, and get back out into wilderness, it's always a return to origin, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so good for us. So Genesis chapter 2 in verse 7 and 8 tells us about the origin of man. It says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. There are literally men today who are afraid of the dust of the ground, but we were formed of it, we're made of it, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The masculine soul was born when God took the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostrils. He formed a man, breathed life into the nostrils of the man. And then it says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So man is made out of the wild earth. He's made in the, in the wilderness. And then God took and made a garden and put the man in the garden. Could talk about a lot of that. We're not going to, but the whole aspects there that, that you'll see of how God gave man work to do. He gave him this organized garden to tend, to keep. Work is good for the soul. He gave him a mate, a wife, a woman. That's good for the soul. But it starts with, you know, God made man in the wild. So the return to the wild is an important thing. I think one of the things that that I think I've learned is how the wilderness and how the wild it gets you back to your God dependence a little bit. 
everything that though it is you have to work for it out in the wild it's still provided by god you know we pack in our water when we go in but eventually the water runs out and there's no food line to restock on bottled water or anything like that that would have been you know put together by man you got to find the river you've got to you've got to go to where the water source is well there's no way that mankind can take claim for that or it is provided by the Lord. And to be able to get out there and stand at the bottom of a mountain and look up at the top and know that uh, these mountains aren't going to climb themselves. and that That's what I always say. Exactly. I've heard that many a times. And to know that uh, it's going to take a lot of work, but as you're walking up the mountain, you're relying on the Lord's provision. You're relying on the strength which he's enabled you with. Then to get to the top of it, and to be able to look back down at all that you came through and all the times that you thought that your body was just going to give out on the way up, to stand at the top and to be able to look over uh, all of God's creation, all that the Lord has done. If, if you do stuff like this, but you do it with the, with the perspective of, I'm doing this to draw closer to the Lord, it, it builds in a deeper appreciation for what God has done. I think that bringing all that up, we should take a moment and discuss what we're talking about. Sure. Or explain that. So uh, while... We, we trust a lot of our code guys will listen to the podcast. They'll know what we're referring to. Maybe somebody picks this up along the way, and they're like, well, what are these guys even talking about going back to the wilderness? So we do not live in cabins or tents in the woods. We are not, uh, while we're recording this at an undisclosed location uh, hidden deep into the heart of uh, wherever we are, we are not, we don't dwell in the wilderness. In fact, most of our life is spent in our houses mm-hmm. and working in the you know, the jobs that we have, the ministry that we have. What we like to do is get a group of guys and take them out of this crazy, uh, nerve-shaking, over-civilized world and take them into the wilderness. And that is that is one of the primary things for the code of man. So the code stands for Christ-centered, outdoor discipleship experience. And we are really in the infancy stage of this because we just passed, we've just finished our first year of doing the the code ministry, the code uh, adventures, talking about the outdoor, you know, going somewhere, but we, we, we do it as backpacking. We've been using the state parks. We've used the national forest. We put all our gear on and we just go and we, we get some mileage. We set up base camps. We climb mountains. Uh, we sometimes fall in rivers. Yep. We've, we've had some we've had that, that experience. A few bumps and bruises along the way. No major injuries. Been a great thing. But more than all of that, it is about reconnecting our soul with something that is divine, something that is likened to the heart of God. So you're talking about going out there and leaving behind all the resources, the man-made resources, and just you know finding that reliance on God, that dependence on God that I think, again, David brings out in his life as a shepherd, but then he'll continue to bring that out throughout his life, even as a king, as a soldier. There's just he develops something that in his soul as a young man that he will keep coming back to because throughout the the story of David, the life of David, he's always going back to the wilderness. Can you look forward to getting back to getting away? Yes. I think that's the I think that's the big thing is just being able to 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 get away, I don't want to say get away from the responsibilities because that makes it sound like you're that you're running from from you know what God has you here to do. But to be able to just take a little while and you know not have the pressures of well that life brings to you. That's a great lead into the next thing that I want to discuss, which wilderness is a return to origin. So let's summarize that a second. 
my heart, my soul, which is what we're talking about. When we say the soul, we're talking about the heart. My heart is wild, all right? Not to, to steal that phrase, but wild at heart, deep down inside of us, underneath all the, you know, the fancy labels, underneath all the fancy foods and drinks and the cars we drive and the houses we live in, and my soul definitely behind all the screens and the buttons and the stuff that we're constantly feeding our brains with, Underneath all of that is a wild soul. God made it that way. So getting to the wilderness, getting outdoors. Let's use the term outdoors too. Yeah. Just getting outdoors is a reconnection to our origin. But now let's talk about what you just brought up, which is it's also a refuge to get away from stuff. Wilderness is a refuge from stuff. And it's just getting away from all that junk that's hitting us day in and day out, and it's not all bad stuff either. Now, there is a lot of stuff that we don't need in our life that we can escape from, but sometimes it's just escaping from, you know, even good things, but they're things that will choke us. They will they will cloud our heart, you know, fog up our heart. Uh, let me give you another passage of Scripture that I, I noted for this, Psalm 55, verses 3 through 7. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness. What about that? Absolutely. You know, he says, you know, if I just could just fly away from all this, if I could get away from my enemies, if I could get away from oppression, if I could get away from my own iniquity, if I could get away from wrath, just he's describing strife, he's describing heartache, he's describing pressure, he's describing, you know, anxiety, and he says there is really one way to get away from this. And I think here's David now as maybe king, but even if he's not king, you know, when he's writing this stuff, maybe he's even still as a soldier in Saul's army. But whatever it is, he's saying there is one escape for me, one way to get away from this, and that is to fly away and find rest if I could just go remain in the wilderness. And I tell you, that is a lot of what, what compels me to go back is to get somewhere where I am escaping stuff. Part of being a man is responsibilities. We have a lot of responsibilities. But sometimes we need to lay that stuff down and just reconnect our soul with some real stuff. So visceral versus vicarious. Let's talk about that a minute. The visceral and the vicarious. So visceral is guts, right? The real. Hands in the blood, dirt, sweat, all that stuff. Versus vicarious, which is that I am going to access something through somebody else's experience. It's not my own. Now, where do most men live today when it comes to wildness, adventure, beauty, discovery? They're living in the vicarious. Mm -hmm. All right, so hours and hours of television, Netflix, cable news, Facebook, all the stuff where they're just everybody else's adventures being posted and they're looking at that, laughing at that. It's choking out life because they are not actually getting out there and doing it themselves. What's the visceral part of the wilderness? I mean, it, it's got to be the experience. I mean, the the being there. 
I, I know I've come home and, you know, I'll take pictures of some of our summits, some of the, you know, the, the beautiful views and stuff. And when I look back at those pictures, it, it triggers in me some of the emotion of being up there. I can appreciate because I'm the one that had to put in the work to get up there. But I've noticed that when I bring the pictures home and, you know, show them to my wife or maybe show them to some other guys that weren't able to go on this particular trip, they don't look at the picture the same way that I do because they don't have the experience behind it. They'll look at it and say, oh, wow, that's a pretty picture. Yeah, that's a beautiful landscape. But it doesn't have the same meaning to them because they've not had the experience that went in to capture that picture. And I think to your point, that's what so many men think they're living because they are tapping into other people's experiences and they don't even realize that it's just a very shallow surface area involvement that they are robbing themselves of life by not getting out and experiencing it themselves. I guess part of the other side of the coin on this is that while we are talking about how wilderness is a refuge from stuff, it's kind of an escape, it's really also an invitation by God into something that's real. Because, yes, our work is real. Our family responsibilities are real. And all these are part of being a man. And none of this is to say that that uh, this is more important than right. those things. It's to say it's another part of our manhood to escape sometimes the constant demands and to escape the false world, the false self, the false idea of what being a man is that's being perpetrated out there today. And God, I think, invites us to come back into something where we're going to be tested. We're going to be challenged. And, you know, let's just interrupt ourselves right here and say, we understand not every man's going to be interested in backpacking. Not everybody's interested in camping. And that's not at all what we're talking about. I think, look, I'm not a, I'm not a hunter. I do some hunting with the boys, but I'm not a big hunter. I, you know, I, I'm not a fisherman. There are a lot of guys that love to do those things, and they're they're reconnecting with wilderness. They're reconnecting with their soul in doing those things. So there's lots of ways to do this. It's not just to say the backpacking and camping is the way. What we're saying is find that way to get out of the fake sometimes and get back into what's real. There's something real about dirt. Mm-hmm. There's something real about cold air. There's something real about a mountain spring versus bottled water. There's something real about a fire and wood smoke that is more real than your electric heat, you know? Yeah. And we come in, we push the button, we set the temperature, whatever we want it, we forget about it. So the wilderness requires us to be in tune with our senses, all of them, our sight, our sound, our smell, touch, taste. Those are the five senses, but the other thing I was thinking about, of course, is by using all those senses, being in this place of origin, finding refuge and from the stuff and reconnecting, we are also awakening that other sense inside of us, which is that heart for God. And every man, you know, every believer needs that. And, you know, I think that uh, we got to find ways to do that. So here's the thing I want to bring this into the conversation now. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, the average American spends 93% of life indoors. That is a staggering number. And uh, I first read about that probably three or four weeks ago, and so I went back and found this statistic so I could, uh, could present it here in this discussion. But 87% of their life is indoors. Another 6% of their life is in automobiles. So you put those together, that's 93% of our life is inside an enclosed 
container, if you will. So only 7% of, of life is lived outdoors for the average person uh, in, in America today. That's only one half of one day per week outdoors. Wow. I think it initially is staggering and surprising until you go back and start doing inventory of the past week and where even I was in the last week. And I think it catches you off guard because you don't realize how much you're indoors until you really stop and think about what you've recently done. Ever since I read that, I've been much more conscious of marking time in my head. Like, okay, I just spent the last two hours outside. This is great. I am beating the average. Mm -hmm. It goes on in this particular, and by the way, this is a, uh, it goes on to say in the article, people often think that the reason we get colds and flus more often in the winter is because it's cold outside, but that is false. And I've been saying this forever. This old wives' tale, old grandmama's tale, whatever it is, you know, put your coat on. It's cold outside. You're going to catch cold. You're going to get flu. You're going to get pneumonia and die. Well, we get colds and flus more often in the winter because we are inside more often during the winter. And inside, where we're all kind of huddled in together, we're passing around germs, hmm. the bad stuff. So being outside is also highly linked to better moods and better outlooks on life. Americans are so bad at, at being outside that it's recommended that we try to spend just five minutes outside each day. Just five minutes will do you a world of good. <laughs> now, that does, it's sad. It's sad. Especially when you think about before the turn of the century, it was around the end of the 1800s into the 1900s that the industrial age began and everybody started going inside to work. And I know not everybody does, but that has become culture today. The factories, the mills, the plants, you know, you know, this area that we're in, an undisclosed location, but we'll drop a hint, very big textile area. People went from working outside all the time to working inside all the time. Then look at what's happened even in the, the last 20, 30, maybe even longer, but especially the last two or three decades, it has gone not only from working inside where you're up on your feet, moving, doing things, to actually setting the desk with a computer. Mm -hmm. And that's how you work now. So while it's sad, I also want to just kind of throw my support to this comment that, uh, hey, start somewhere. Yeah. A man's got to start somewhere, and some men are sitting inside day in, day out. That's where their job is. They're behind computer screens. They're tapping on their phones, and they're living in this pseudo-world that is not providing them things that are necessary. Hey, you know, it'd do us a lot of good to breathe some fresh air, mm -hmm. to get some sunlight. Uh, we got to get outside more. That's the bottom line. We've got to escape from this stuff. I think there is uh, another key thing we want to touch on. And that is that wilderness is not only a return to our origin, reconnecting with God. It's not only a, an escape and a refuge from all the stuff of this world today, but it's also a way to reset the worship of our soul. And that's a very real thing. And again, we've been looking, we've been kind of following David here. Started in Psalm 23, looked at Psalm 55. So let me give one more. Psalm 63 and the title of this one is A Psalm of David When He Was in the Wilderness of Judah. We know he wrote this in the wilderness. Now here's what he says. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. 
so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. So there is a direct connection here between David's time in the wilderness and his heart being awakened to his desire for God. How has the wilderness awakened our hearts to pursue God? One of the things that it does is it, and we may have already touched on this kind of slightly, but it, it does remove those masks and those walls that, that we build up of, uh, you know, kind of hiding behind and uh, maybe insufficiencies or feelings of inadequacies. And so when we get out into the wilderness and we go seeking the face of God, uh, a lot of that stuff gets ripped away and it, it tunes us into the way that God sees us, the longing that God has to want to, to fellowship and to worship with us. And so as we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us, you know, we have no problem seeing the, seeing the ways that we fall short. We have no problem seeing the ways that that you know we don't match up with where that we need to be but then when we when we get out there and uh, we're able to connect with the wilderness we're able to take part in all these things it draws our heart to God and so it does enable our worship it does the the one of the most recent trips that we took uh, when we went to Linville Gorge and we uh, spent about an hour down by the river and we're all able to to kind of split up and uh, find those clefts in the rock, so to speak. Well, one of the places that I that I found isolated, there was nobody around, there really wasn't even anybody. We were kind of within eyesight of each other, but uh, not close enough to, to be distracted, and it was, it was literally just us and the Lord. At least in my life, my worship intensified in that moment because God was able to specifically deal with me and what I was needing to do and the help that I needed, and as I got help from the Lord, it tuned in my heart to worship the Lord more. After Psalm 23, Psalm 24, another Psalm of David starts out like this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when we get out into what is God's, you know, look around us today. We have uh, so many magnificent man-made structures and entities and organizations. And I mean, these things are great. They're amazing. There's a lot of goodness in all of that. The Empire State Building. One time a big monkey climbed up on the Empire State Building, <laughs> and we shot him down. But that's a whole other story and an inside joke. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of magnificent things that man has done, and we do it because of what how God has made us. He's put something in men to, again, have dominion, to build, to construct, to make things. But, boy, there is something magnificent about getting away from all of that man-made stuff getting back to what God alone has made. You know, uh, you mentioned Linville Gorge was a great example of the spectrum of being down by the river. Beautiful, uh, wild place, wild place. But down in the bottom of the gorge by the river, and then all the way up the next day to the top of Table Rock Mountain, and you just see forever all these rolling mountains, and of course, this time of year, not as green, but uh, during the, you know, now that spring's hitting, it's going to be a very green, and I remember, I remember years ago, this would be 20-some years ago, very early in my backpacking days when I was really getting started, and I took a friend of mine, and we went to Grandfather Mountain and climbed the profile trail for the first time, and got all the way up to the top, and of course, 
you know, you couldn't see real far then. We were in the clouds. The clouds were low. The wind was blowing. It was sort of a misty atmosphere, and it was just crazy. I mean, it was just, but something about that makes you come alive. It just feels so real to have this, well, it's an adventure. There's beauty in the wildness of it. It just wakes you up, and it says, man, I want to be in this place right here. And I think that the reconnection with God happens by being out there in a place where it is only what God has done. And when you surround yourself with it, you know, when you surround yourself with wind, and, and even if it's rain, if it's a storm cloud coming through, all of that just awakens something in the soul that says, you know, hey, well, what, think about what the hymn writer said. How great thou art when I consider all the worlds thy hands have made. This is what makes me want to worship God. Go back to where we started, Psalm 23. David says, you know, I lie down in the green pastures. I'm beside the still waters. I'm walking the paths of righteousness. But all of that's doing one thing. It's restoring his soul. We've talked about this before. It's not always while you're there. Sometimes it is when you come back that you see the benefit of that. A lot of those life lessons that that we learn out there that we may not even realize how they apply until we get back, referring even back to, to Linville Gorge. You know, the, the Lord did a lot of stuff for me, some of the masks that I hide behind, some of the walls that I hide behind, that though I acknowledged out there in that moment, but then when I came back home and got into the, the routine of life, it was almost like the Holy Spirit was pinpointing those moments when I was putting the mask on or when I was building the wall back up that he highlighted in the wild of needing to improve, to be a, uh, we use the term to be a better man, but really to be a, a more God-centered man, that then now that I got back home and I'm in life, things that I had done for forever and had never really realized that it was a problem, now those lessons were beginning to come back home that I that I learned because I was more in tune in the wild, and then was able to apply and to, uh, to be more of what God wants me to be back home. So really, wilderness, the outdoors, what we're saying, I think, is that it is a training ground. It's a training ground for, uh, for God to prepare and develop us as men. And so we want to encourage you, as you listen to this, our, our point, our ultimate goal here is in this podcast is to say, get outside, get back in the wilderness, expose yourself to it, experience it, because God uses that as a training ground for his men. And it's not the only training ground. We have discussed this before. Moses was trained, all the preachers say, on the backside of the desert for 40 years, but he was out there in the wilderness. Um, again, we've been talking about David and his wilderness training from shepherding to the fugitive years, dwelling in the caves, dwelling in the mountains. But then even you come to the New Testament, you see John the Baptist. Here's a man who was preparing the way in the wilderness. Here's a man that was living out there covered you know, with the camel's hair and the leather girdle and eating locust and wild honey. Um, I joke about it. He's, he's the original Bear Grylls before there was a Bear Grylls. And then even the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul... After he was converted, after the Lord saved him, after he became a Christian, here's a man that was raised in the finest schools of Israel of his time, probably a, you know, compared to our day and time, he would have been an outdoors guy. But in that time, he was probably more of an indoors guy by comparison, scholar, school student, 
you know, in the temples, being taught. When he comes to know Christ as his Savior, when he is changed on that, that road to Damascus, he tells in Galatians how that he went and spent time away in Arabia. And from what we understand of Arabia, that's desert country. Paul went out there and said, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I went and spent time with Jesus and got to know who Jesus was. And where did he do it? In the desert country. And so this is a great training ground. And so we just want to encourage you uh, to, to make this happen. And that's where we're going to begin to wrap up today by coming down to this question, how do we get or help the average man in 21st century American life reconnect, get back out there, reconnect with origin, uh, kind of escape from the crazy stuff of the man's of life, and also to restore that worship in his heart. You know, Emerson, I'll give you another quote. He said, the greatest wonder is that we can see these trees and not wonder more. Kind of use that quote to, to bring into the conclusion here that there is so much goodness in the wilderness, in the outdoors. I don't think that it has to always be wilderness. For example, I sat outside this morning. My favorite place of prayer is on my front porch. And that's not the wilderness. But there's wilderness, the wilderness experience, just being outdoors and sitting out there this morning and just the cool air, a little breeze coming through, a little damp, moist, the birds are singing. There is something that it just awakens. It just makes you grateful. It just makes you feel. Your heart feels in tune with God. And it goes back to this is the way God designed our heart. This is the way he developed it. He intended it to be. There is challenge out there. You know, you mentioned the climbing the mountains, climb, you know, staying on those trails, getting those miles in, that pack starts getting heavy on your back, relentless elevations. But there's a lot of discovery out there. When you turn that corner, when you reach the top of that mountain and you see what's out there, there's discovery about yourself. It's all, it's all about perspective. You know, there have been times in my life that, you know, I have been far more outdoors you know, I was a landscaper by trade for a few years and uh, did some other things. And the perspective then was get the job done, endure the heat, and just try to stay hydrated and look forward to getting back in the truck and having some air conditioning. So, uh, you know, now... Which we're not opposed to, by the way, air yeah, conditioning. absolutely. You know, but now the the perspective of when I'm conscientious about when I'm out, when I'm outside, when I'm uh, enjoying some time with the family or if I'm, you know, out with the code men or if I'm out just out and about by myself, the perspective now of, of, of looking, for, uh, looking for God, you know, in the outside. Uh, I, one of the verses that, I, that I've known forever that has taken on new meaning out of Romans chapter 1, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. You know, God reveals himself uh, in creation from everything that is outside, from everything that is out and about. If we go looking for God, he's there to be found. And so uh, over the past year, in, in, all of, in all of our code activities from the different places that we've gone, it changed my perspective of being outside that I'm carrying over even when I'm back here in a, in a more suburban environment. What I'm calling their attention to, the lessons that I'm trying to instill in them at a young age, and so the the big the big life lesson that I've learned from from my wilderness is it's not just enough to be outside, but it's to be outside on purpose and to be looking for something. And uh, even when we come to church, 
we come to church looking to meet with God, God's going to meet with us. If we go outdoors looking to experience something from God, there's an experience there to acquire. Yeah, that's an excellent point that you bring in here. It's not just about being outside, but being outside with a purpose. And that purpose can determine a lot about what you accomplish because you talk about David being outside in the wilderness. He's accomplishing some things. Mm -hmm. He's connecting with God. But when Saul is just trying to find David to kill him, he's probably not connecting with God. His purpose is not what it should be. And that's an excellent verse to bring into, you know, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So we really just benefit from being out there. And and uh, what, a, what a joy it is to just spend some time in the outdoors. We've learned some stuff in the outdoors. The code has taught us some things. We're teaching some things. We've got some young men that are experiencing stuff for the first time, but we're learning courage. We're learning what it means to push ourselves and accomplish. We're learning teamwork relying on others. We're learning responsibility. All that's developing men. It's developing men. We're going to close with the practical ways that we get men outdoors in 21st century life. What are some good ideas about getting people outside? And I'll go first. You, well, actually, you went first. You stole one that I had uh, wrote down, go outside on purpose. Oh. But I would just I would say that it starts with that. Go outside on purpose purpose. So you talked about what is your purpose, but just purpose to get outside. Purpose to get outside. That uh, stat we read earlier, you know, trying to encourage people just five minutes a day. And you can do better than that. No, there's nobody. I mean, and your walk from the office to the car, I know that's outside, but that's not getting outside on purpose. That's getting outside to get back inside. All right. So get outside on purpose, go outside and just take a walk. Every now and then, go outside and take a walk. If you work in a building, go outside. Walk around the building outside, not just in the building. Okay? So there's one. Get outside on purpose. Take a walk. I think just, uh, and again, it depends on your, your life uh, situation, but if you've got small children, go play with your children outside. Get, get them out. Go ahead and uh, start trying to reverse the cycle uh, with, with that generation. Teach them to love going outside, but in so doing... Uh, we're also improving our role as fathers because we are investing time with them and we are making our outside on purpose. Uh, we're, we're increasing the benefits of it because we're showcasing love towards our children and uh, we'll find that we actually enjoy kind of uh, rekindling that youth by chasing them around and picking up sticks and sword fights. Man, my children have, I don't even know what they're called, we call them pokeballs because they're the little they're the little seed pods that fall and they they're pokey, you know, they'll anyhow. Completely lost. Don't know what they're called, but man, you know, my children have they've loved picking those things up and they think it's funny to come up and, and throw them at you, but then to see their enjoyment, it brings your enjoyment and uh, it, it lifts the mood a little bit. So so go outside and play. I would uh, also say this, you know, I know that that uh, we live in the culture today where we didn't, you know, look into all the numbers on time spent on social media and entertainment, things like that. But people people have a lot of entertainment, social media stuff and all that. The fact that we live in the Netflix era and say you don't have to be in front of the television at certain times anymore. So postpone that. You know, put that off and sit outside for a while. You know, mm-hmm. sit on sit outside and, and, and spend some time talking, reflecting. And so, you know, postponing some of your entertainment is a way to get outside more and you got to start somewhere. 
Get some wind, get some sun, get in the rain, get cold. Don't be afraid to experience that, and it'll make you come alive. You need it. You've got to have it. Another quote by John Muir. He said, everybody needs beauty as well as bread, places to play in and pray in, where nature may heal and give strength to body and soul. That's pretty deep. As we close this podcast... I want to say thank you to our good friend, Brother Bruce Fry, who has provided us with our intro song and exfil song, The Heart of a Champion by Brother Bruce Fry. And you can find more of Bruce Fry's music on brucefry.com. Go on there and get some of his albums. And thank you so much, Brother Bruce. And until next time, this is Overtrek and Easy Target saying happy trails to you and good night. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. Best